0: It's not TV, it's HBO. That was the slogan that launched in the mid-90s that ushered in some of the most prestigious television shows ever made. With nearly 550 Emmy wins over the last 20 years and about 80 million global subscribers, HBO has secured its spot as the gold standard of storytelling on television.
1: The the story of HBO has always been a promise of excellence and quality. And that's what we always tried to deliver on. And I think we did that, and that's why the company it it was and remains as vibrant as it is, and and I think um, attracted uh, so often the attention of the best creative people.
0: Yet HBO has never been its own standalone business, surviving merger after merger and acquisition after acquisition, with one of them considered to be the worst deal in modern American corporate history. AOL and Time Warner, arguably the most disastrous merger in media history and responsible for over 100 billion, $150 billion in write-offs.
2: you call $160 billion uh, catastrophe, it's a
0: big problem. <laughs> Again, HBO is finding itself in the midst of a shakeup. Owned by Warner Brothers Discovery since April 2022, current CEO David Zaslov has looked at deep cost-cutting measures and announced on April 15th, 2023, it's rebranding HBO Max to Max, and some believe that the company is gearing up for yet another sale. The
3: expectation is that Warner Brothers Discovery will not stay Warner Brothers Discovery three to four years from now. I think it's just a matter of managing the company as well as possible before that next transaction.
0: Despite its turbulent business history in every decade of its 50-year existence, HBO has never ceased to change the programming game—from uncensored, uninterrupted movies to setting up the template for prestige television to revolutionizing sports, stand-up comedy, and documentaries. The question now? As competition stiffens, can the network sustain yet another major turn? When we think of HBO, we typically think of this, the best of the best in television. But big-budget, award-winning series wasn't where HBO got its start. The birth of HBO coincided with the modernization of TV and the emergence of cable television in the 1970s. Cable wasn't as ubiquitous as it is today. And in most cases, it was a necessity for those living in rural regions or cities like New York or San Francisco, where broadcast signals weren't reaching customers. HBO began as one of the only paid TV services on the market in 1972 under parent company Sterling Communications. A year later, it was spun off to Time Inc.
3: So HBO started out as sort of this uh, add-on cable channel that you would pay whatever amount of money, 10, $15 a month. It wouldn't come with your standard bundle. In the beginning, it had mostly movies on there. It was the only network that anybody had ever tried that
2: got off the ground where it wasn't supported by advertising. And then in the 70s, which was when the big three networks, CBS, ABC, NBC, they had 95% of the viewing.
0: That's Jeff Bucus. He began his 25-year career at HBO in marketing and sales in 1979 and was named CEO in 1995. By 2008, he became CEO of Time Warner and ended his storied career in 2018. During his time as head of HBO, he spearheaded some of the most successful TV shows of our time, The Sopranos, Sex and the City, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. But that all came later. In the early days, there was virtually no original content on HBO.
2: In the 70s and 80s, like, we don't have enough money to make actual scripted series yet. I mean, the networks each have 30 of them a week. You know, they got big budgets, big stars. We can't afford that. We don't have money for that. So uh, we didn't go into series as uh, as long as, as long as we could. We basically avoided it.
0: With about 1 million subscribers in the late 1970s, it was one of the only places outside of the movie theater where customers can watch their favorite films uncut and ad free. With access to live boxing matches, concerts and comedy specials, it truly made it a customer's home box office.
2: You know, we're basically doing whatever the big budget networks weren't interested in or they couldn't do it because they'd annoy the, you know, more conservative tastes in the Midwest or they'd piss off Ford Motor Company, (laughs) something like that. We didn't have to worry about that. So we were kind of rolling.
0: But with the popularity of VHS and video rental stores like Blockbuster, HBO was left with no choice but to make some big decisions at the time where the company had little in their budget to fund original content. And then Blockbuster
2: comes and basically takes our entire selling proposition, uncut Hollywood movies in your home, and they go earlier. They're now available to you six months before HBO. They're also uncut. And here's the next, the key thing, the big, big, you know, problem. They're on demand, you can watch them whenever you want. We're sitting outside HBO saying to ourselves, we're screwed. Our number one reason why people subscribe to HBO is, is now being taken,
0: you know, by Blockbuster.
2: And what are we gonna do? But in
0: 1989, Time Inc., HBO's parent company, made a $14 billion deal to merge at Warner Communications, creating the largest media and entertainment conglomerate of its time. The Time Warner era ushered in a multiplex model with multiple channels in an effort to reduce churn from subscribers and begin launching original offerings, starting with two comedies, Dream On, and The Larry Sanders Show. We call it the best hour on TV.
2: It literally is almost only one hour because we only we had 10, half hours a year, 10 and a half hours a year. But you got 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, unlike the broadcast network. And we've got 10
1: hours of serious programming, that's it. We knew we had to be different, right? It, it had to be, particularly in the
0: early years, simply put, worth paying for. By the late 1990s and early 2000s, the network made big investments into original content. HBO followed up Dream On and The Larry Sanders Show with bold bets that will turn into critical darlings like The Sopranos and Sex and the City. From there, the network went on a hot streak of original programming.
1: They said to the broader creative community, look over here, there's extraordinary work being done. And that becomes a virtuous circle, right? Writers talk to writers, directors to directors, the creative community to each other, agents to agents. Something's happening over there, you know early 1990s all the way through. Now, of course, when Michael Patrick King and, and Sarah Jessica came with Sex and the City and David Chase came with The Sopranos and and Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg with Band of Brothers, the door had been opened um, that these kinds of bets were worth taking, not only because you were going to resonate in popular culture, but it was great business.
0: At the peak of the dot-com era, HBO's parent company Time Warner was on the verge of another merger with AOL. One at the time would become the largest deal in merger history. But just a few short months after the deal closed in 2002, AOL Time Warner was feeling the effects of the bursting dot-com bubble. Advertisement revenue for AOL started drying up, all while the world was shifting from dial-up internet to cable broadband. AOL Time Warner reported losses of $98 billion that year, the largest corporate net loss in U.S. history. To put that in perspective, in 2001, just a year prior, The company's net loss was just $4.9 billion. The road to recovery was a tough one for the entertainment segment of AOL Time Warner. It wasn't until 2009 that Time Warner was spun off from AOL, and Jeff Buchas took over the reins as CEO. And ultimately,
1: he made the company a pure content company. I think what Jeff was very adamant about for my colleagues at Turner and Warner Brothers and HBO was You guys do what it is that you do. Um, Warner Brothers make great television, make great movies. Turner, make great television. Get your sports rights. CNN, continue to be the important brand uh, that you are. And HBO, make great programming.
0: And so they did. Marking its fourth time exchanging hands, the network decided to dive deep into original programming, driving more subscribers to the business than ever. During Time Warner's uncoupling from AOL, leadership shifted. After about 12 years in various leadership positions within the company, Richard Plepler took over as CEO.
1: When, when I began in 2007, uh, for the team and for myself, was, let, let's make sure that we remember what brought us to the dance, right, in the first place, which was becoming a home where the best people wanted to work. So, look, we didn't, we didn't overthink it. Um, we, we knew that the environment was increasingly competitive. We knew that um, there were other places for people to go if, if we weren't quick to respond. And I think our mission was to make sure we picked well and we invited the right people to keep coming back. And even if we said no to some things, we made sure that we were respectful of the creative people who were coming to us, urging
0: them to come back. His shows like Game of Thrones, True Detective, Veep, Insecure, and many more, dominated the zeitgeist in entertainment, raking in 228 primetime Emmy wins between 2009 and 2017. While the success of its original programming was exploding on screen, its domestic growth took several more years to get up and running.
3: In the United States, cable TV subscriptions peaked around the year 2012 at about 100 million U.S. households. So at this point... There was already evidence that millions of Americans were canceling traditional cable TV. And the main reason why was it had gotten too expensive. Uh, year after year after year, these programming companies would push 5 to 10% increases, and all of the, the, that increases would basically go straight to consumers. Now it was like, well, you're paying $100 or $120 a month, and you're getting all of this content that you're no longer watching.
0: Between 2009 and 2017, HBO under Time Warner was the most distributed paid TV service in the U.S. However, it came at a time where domestic growth was undercut by cord cutting and steep competition from other streamers. To combat this, HBO set its sights on two major efforts, international growth and streaming. By 2011, HBO had a total of 93 million subscribers. Of those, about 40 million were domestic. HBO Go launched in 2011. It was a streaming offering only available to those subscribed to HBO through their cable provider. Between 2011 and 2014, global subscriptions increased while domestic growth plateaued.
1: The fundamental question for me in 2012, 2013 was how do we continue to grow in a world where there are more and more broadband only homes? And that's how we built our digital product. In
0: 2015, HBO Now launched. It was a streaming service that circumvented the need for a cable subscription.
1: When we decided at HBO that we needed to develop uh, a digital product, I think there were only 3 million homes in the United States that were broadband only homes. By the time we introduced HBO Now in Cupertino with Apple in March of 2015, think there were 10 or 11 million, you know, now there are tens of millions of, of broadband only homes. Meaning if you want to be in the homes of uh, your consumer, you need to have a product which can be delivered uh, through broadband, either direct to consumer or wholesale through uh, another digital distributor. So it was an obvious decision for us and we evolved to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, it's about the
0: content. But the transition to a digital platform was not without outside turmoil, as another merger was on the way. Rupert Murdoch made an attempt to buy Time Warner for $80 billion, but Buick stopped that deal, since Murdoch's Fox wasn't worth the $85 a share Fox said it was worth.
2: So when I was talking privately to Rupert and Chase, I was telling them, no, we're not doing this. It, it, first of all, it's not worth $85 a share. It's worth $68 a share. You know it and I know it. There's no price that you can afford that we would accept. Because you don't have, it's literally, you're trying to buy a dinner that you don't have money for the dinner. You can't do it.
0: Time Warner ended up selling to at and a massive merger that potentially changed the brand image of HBO, and one that is viewed as one of the worst mergers in U.S. history, just behind the AOL Time Warner deal. That deal was catastrophic, not as catastrophic as AOL, but it was definitely deleterious to HBO and Time Warner's health. AT&T agreed to buy Time Warner for roughly $85.4 billion in 2016, a deal that took nearly two years to complete, as it was met by pushback by regulators and the DOJ.
1: We're disappointed that it took 18 months to get here, uh, but we are relieved that it's finally behind us. And uh, we look forward to closing this transaction uh, in the upcoming days.
0: While changing hands several times, one thing had remained constant, the quality of HBO's content. In 2018, the network brought home 23 Emmys and continued to grow its audience worldwide. But things were slowly changing under the at and leadership. The streaming wars were in full force at that time. Vertical brands HBO, Turner and Warner Brothers slowly began to shift to streaming under at and Time Warner became Warner Media, and it looked to activate HBO's prestigious brand to the wider world of streaming. Instead of using HBO Go and Now as standalone products, it looked to make a new streaming service. Legacy media companies like Disney, NBC Universal began securing the rights to their iconic shows and films in preparation to launch their own respective platforms, Disney Plus and Peacock. AT&T and its newly rebranded Warner Media had a massive catalog of content and wanted to capitalize on it. In 2019. Just one year after closing the acquisition, Warner Media announces HBO Max. So the thinking with
3: HBO Max was, we'll take this prestige programming. If we want to compete with Netflix, we need to add non HBO programming to HBO. And that will get us over the hump here where we can start to target these tens of millions of Americans who have never subscribed to
0: HBO. The buildup of HBO Max's announcement was met with AT&T stock seeing a steady climb leading up to the official unveiling on October 29th, 2019. AT&T stock hit over $29 per share. But when HBO Max finally debuted in May 2020, its launch was a bit rocky and it happened to coincide with the pandemic. Still, AT&T saw somewhat of a needed boost. The issue
3: was that there were already streaming service products out there that had HBO in the name that were not HBO Max, but kind of sounded like HBO Max like HBO Go and HBO Now. The launch of HBO Max, which was just, I mean, it was malpractice. And it's not just the naming confusion, which was just atrocious and just unnecessary, but the actual launch itself was a disaster. The tech was terrible and they didn't have all their ducks in a row. They weren't on Roku or Fire, one, number one and number two, for just amount of streaming or at least dongles in the United States. But I believe at the time, those two controlled somewhere around 50% of all streams on CTVs in the United States. How do you launch without half of your ecosystem?
0: HBO Max and its plan to compete with rivals was fairly simple continue to spend big on content
3: at the time. The market was very much cheering Netflix on from a spending standpoint. In other words, the more money Netflix spent on content, the more its stock seemed to rise. And the market was cheering on more and more spending. But they were cheering on more and more spending for Netflix. They weren't cheering on more and more spending for all companies. The fact of the matter was that AT&T was a wireless company and it cost billions and billions of dollars for your capital expenditures uh, to be a wireless company. So AT&T was caught, they were caught in a bind. So now you have to spend billions of dollars in two directions. And by the way, you now have tens of billions of dollars in debt because you just did this large transaction to
0: buy Time Warner. As the pandemic wreaked havoc on WarnerMedia's brands focused on theatrical releases, then WarnerMedia CEO Jason Kylar announced that all theatrical releases will be released on HBO Max on the same day. The AT&T WarnerMedia merger never found solid ground in its early days. It was met by an unprecedented pandemic that crippled WarnerMedia's theatrical vertical. And while HBO Max saw revenue growth and subscriptions hitting 73.8 million by 2021, The costly streaming venture mounted $6 billion in operating expenses in 2020 alone. As for its stock, AT&T never regained its pre-pandemic highs. WarnerMedia accumulated more debt as Wall Street urged AT&T to invest in its technology and communication business rather than its media. AT&T needed to spin off its expensive and risky merger. In May 2021, just one year after HBO Max officially launched, AT&T announced it's spinning off Warner Media to Discovery for $43 billion. For Discovery, it took on roughly $55 billion in debt when the deal closed in April 2022. HBO's parent company will go through another name change, Warner Brothers Discovery. The newly formed Warner Brothers Discovery has had one clear direction from current CEO David Zaslov. Cut costs and generate cash as fast as possible.
3: David Zaslav started to put into place these a variety of different ways to cut costs. Thousands of people were laid off at the company. CNN Plus, which was this new uh, news streaming service, was immediately rejected. That saved something like $350 million off the top. Uh, Many uh, older library programs that were on the HBO Max streaming service were eliminated.
0: With the addition of HBO Max to Discovery's business, Its direct-to-consumer segment jumped from $860 million to $7.3 billion in revenue, with a total of 96.1 million subscribers. Throughout the various mergers and acquisitions, HBO has continued to push forward with critically acclaimed programming, the latest being Succession, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, and White Lotus, with a lot more in the pipeline. Its storied culture has been passed down from one CEO to another. Look, There's a wonderful, wonderful creative team at HBO. AC Bloys and his team, I mean, they have a really impressive creative team and if left to their own devices and given enough money, they can continue to do what they've been doing. But as part of cost cutting measures in 2022, just a few months after the completion of the merger, there was a wave of cancellations of shows and HBO Max exclusive movies. The company also shipped some of its content to free ad supported streaming TV. And with the merging of two companies came another streaming service, Discovery Plus, which launched in 2021. And in efforts to save money on running two separate streaming services and to streamline customers' choices as to what to watch, HBO Max is rebranding to simply Max. Part of the
3: reason to rebrand the streaming service Max and not just call it HBO Max and throw in all the Discovery content was the the executives uh, at HBO and at uh, Warner Brothers Discovery We're very attuned to trying to save the HBO brand, and the fear was, if you call the service HBO Max and you throw in 90 Day Fiance and all of these other reality shows that are not HBO quality, uh, that over time, everyone's calling this thing
0: HBO and the brand will be diluted. Last year, Warner Brothers Discovery posted a net income loss of $7.3 billion, mostly from paying down its inherited debt. And its stock performance dropped from the start of the merger to the end of 2022, selling at over $38 per share. The company has made major efforts into bolstering the different media verticals inherited from Warner Media. The company announced major investments into legacy IPs like a new Lord of the Rings franchise, a Harry Potter series on Max and relaunching their superhero studio with DC Films. But some believe these major investments are potentially setting up another sale for the company. Marking the seventh time, HBO has seen a change of hands.
2: If you have, forget the uh, individual companies, if you have an overall industry profit pool that's smaller than what all the legacy, vestigial pieces used to live off of, it has to consolidate.
1: It has to.